it feels like we're like wearing a condom half the time. It's like we're probably going to get pregnant. Like this is not it, it just it, it's a little bit crazy to me. It makes me feel crazy. I don't really it, it feels like it's all a management of like our own psychosis. It's not actually action steps to save ourselves. You're listening to Landline Podcast. All right. Welcome back to Landline Podcast. It is the second Sunday AC after Corona. Although it turns out we've probably had it for months. Thanks for listening. 503-894-8480 is the landline. Shout out to three new voicemail callers this week. None of whom are my blood relations. It's a big turning point in the landline. Podcast World will listen to them at the break. Start off strong here with Ashby on the natural world. Her PhD candidacy in the time of plague. Her canceled wedding. What we should plant in our yards. The loss of biodiversity and how it's related to the coronavirus. It's all here. Super sharp in the first third. And there's a lot of likes, 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 likes in the second and second and third halves. Are you following? Is that good math? Three halves equals. And uh, that's just the way it is. I think you'd rather hear it than not. So, And I can't take three hours to edit it because my desk is full of broken baking scales that I can't return. And eye drops because I can't create my own tears anymore. Bratty kids who are watching Toy Story. It's a veritable jungle out there. All right, landline. Here we go. Landline. Hey there. Ashby, welcome. It's your maiden How you doing? Maiden voyage. <laughs> Do you are are you a landline listener? Have you ever heard the podcast? Yeah, I'm a longtime listener, first time first time caller. Yes. Perfect. All right. Well thank you so much for, for joining us in this time of need. Um, yeah, of course. Excited to talk to you. I'm late. I'm sorry I'm late. I had dreams of I, I had dreams of you as a as a podcast character and like how it would be a really soothing, comforting conversation between two old friends that people could listen to like in a rainy March Sunday afternoon yeah. to bring some sort of like peace and stability to their, you know, um, self social distancing, whatever we're calling it. And I was like, oh, let's pick some tea and drink some tea together. And I was going to ask you what tea you were drinking and then I was going to oh, tell. Oh yeah, you know, I made some. And then I know you have two small children, so it might not always work out. Well, instead, I'm just drinking jarred iced coffee, so I can like get up again before I crash, because that's the world I'm in right now <laughs> of exhaustion, and and drinking yeah, and I'm caffeine. Yeah, I'm drinking some tea I got in Phoenix, Arizona, a great place, Phoenix. Um, and it's called wisdom tea, and it has flowers that like you put, they're dried, and you put them in a the tea, and they like fluff up like real live flowers. Wow, and then you can do you drink them? Do you consume them like nasturtium in a salad? 
Well, I just put them in like a little tea strainer, and they're sitting in a pot, so you kind of let them steep. Cool. So it's a atmosphere. Atmosphera. It's not necessarily like to go. It's just. Yeah. It's part of the. It's like one of those fireworks that has like another level when it goes up and explodes. There's like a a, a sizzle yeah. afterwards. Yeah, you're just like, wow! I didn't know that was a thing, and now I'm enjoying it. And it's wisdom tea. Yeah, it's called wisdom nectar tea or something. I got it at like a hipster kind of clothing store in Phoenix, Arizona. Amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, I wanted to start with your bona fides because I feel like um, given where you are in your personal path and what our listeners will learn is a certainly a giant monkey wrench in what you thought would be happening this spring in terms of your right. education. Um, and then I really – I do have a little table of contents here that we can see if we can get through. But I did want to okay. con- concentrate on sort of the natural world a little bit and – um, sure. I'm going to grow a meadow in my front yard because I feel like, you know, I know people grow like their hair long or, you know, hockey players will grow like a playoff beard. And I thought, yeah. well, those of us who are stuck in our homes that actually do have the ability to grow things, it might be a fun way of, of passing the time to like not cut or amend some of the things that are growing in our world until this is all over. And that'll be something to look forward to. So I wanted to talk about fun. that. Yeah. So Let's talk about it. You're a PhD candidate, and what exactly were you getting your PhD in? Sure. Um, I'm getting my degree in environmental studies at University of Colorado Boulder, and um, I focus on prescribing time in nature for loneliness. So was that something that existed when you did you did you invent that, or was that a program that existed that you found and decided you want to look into? Um, I guess I really credit my graduate advisor, Dr. Jill Litt. Um, she um, presented me with a topic because she does a lot of focus on community gardening, and she's doing like a big randomized clinical trial with community gardening to see if it helps promote behaviors that um, prevent cancer, like more vegetables and more exercise and stuff like that. So um, she's like in my department, and she's the other garden person, so we started talking, and eventually I just switched over to her as my advisor. and. Um, she started getting interested in this idea of prescribing nature and social prescribing because, like, I don't know if you're aware, but social isolation, it's a significant public health concern, and I'm sure we're all relating to that now. But being isolated from others is as bad for your health as, like, smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. So, and if you screen for loneliness or isolation at a primary care um, office, you can't really just take a pill for that, right? So we're trying to figure out innovative solutions about, like, getting people together outdoors, like, through a prescription, like a referral service. So in a way, this is, like, the perfect opportunity to prescribe this. It's almost like if you could get everything you've been learning and you would hope – I mean, I don't know it all, and we're going to learn about it right now, but there, there's – we are allowed to be outside. We are. I, mean, I was just yeah. on Savi Island outside Portland watching bald eagles soar with my kids and my wife mm. and running on the beach and climbing on the dead trees and taking charcoal and making drawings and lying down in the sun. I actually feel like I have a sunburn right now, and there are all these other people yeah. w- walking on the beach with their dogs. There are fisher people. There are people in boats, and it, it – I just had like three and a half hours of normalness on the you know yeah, second Saturday of COVID nineteen. So um, <laughs> this is something that all of us need right now, right? I mean, we're, this is our only option. Yeah. We can't go to the movies. We can't go to the bar. We can't go like shopping other than online. And everyone is going to yeah. feel the loneliness at some point or another because a much larger group of the population is now like having to. 
to be lonely when they maybe weren't before. Yeah, and I think just, I mean, talking about, I know we're going to talk about the wedding later today, but, you know, I was single for, like, a long period of time in my life while I was, like, figuring out who I was and who I wanted to be with. And I'm really thinking of, like, what it must be like to not be partnered right now and just to be at home. And it must be, like, really painful, and I, like, I'm thinking about that a lot. So <clears throat> we should talk about that. So so you were going to – let's just talk about the, like, the timeline that's been disrupted. So you're doing this amazing degree – you might be one of the first people in the country who are, you know, really like getting into how the sausage is made in this specific discipline, right? And and um, right. maybe not the only, but one of them. I'm sure you've found co- – have you found people in other places that are doing similar stuff? And like do you have a community of people who are discovering all of this? You know, yeah. Actually, I went to this small conference in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. There's a, a group called Shift Jackson Hole. It's like a nonprofit that focuses on nature as medicine and – um, there's like hundreds of people that come to this conference every year and I, I join the steering committee, um, for the next conference and I'm like meeting people that are doing really cool research all over the world and it's been really exciting. So, <laughs> so you are, you also have just like the ad- academic calendar that you're working around and you were going to present your dissertation when, like in April or May of, <laughs> of this year, like tell us about yeah, that. So like, cause there's a lot thing, of, um, Everyone's... I guess you probably know this, but in order to become a PhD candidate, you need to write, a, at least in my department, you need to write like a 15-page single-space proposal, and then you present your proposal to your committee of five people who are all um, professors. And so I had my defense schedule on April 10th, and my advisor was planning to fly in. She lives in Spain right now, so she was going to fly in from Spain. And um, so now we're all doing the defense on Zoom. <laughs> On April 10th, which should be interesting, but I'm at least glad it's not my, like, final defense, which comes after you do the work. Um, so now I've, I'm just proposing the paper, and I'm going to tell them what I want to do, and hopefully they'll say yes, and then I'll become a candidate. So that's also been a little disrupted. And, like, obviously, I mean, I know you pretty well. You're probably thinking about, like, what you're going to wear to go present exactly. and, like, what the room is going to yeah, be and, like, what's the lighting. It's cute. And so, like, now – and you're also, like, if we can, you know, concentrate on what you're actually presenting in, you, you would – it's not like you're going to go in, like, a suit and tie to, you know, defend what you're talking about. You would probably want to have some sort of presentation of what you believe in as part of your aura in the moment, right? And Yeah, you know, thank you for saying that. Um, that's really kind, you know, because I had, like, this shirt picked out that has feathers all over it, and it's, like, a button-up silk shirt that I got secondhand – in this, like, Japanese cut blazer that I got secondhand, too, that looks, like, perfect, like, it's made for me. And I'm like, all right, I just need to find the pants, and I'm ready to kick ass, you know? <laughs> and then they're like, <laughs> now it's going to be, like, me in my pajamas, you know? Well, you just don't have to wear no, pants now. Wear. You just don't wear pants now, and you can still wear the same outfit. It's perfect. Yeah, I don't even need the pants, so. So now what are you thinking? Like, do you know what room in your house you're going to do it in? And, like, are you going to set up plants around you? Like, it could be an opportunity. You can now have, like, a mise-en-scene. If you have ideas for Ashby, 503-894-8480 on her mise-en-scene. But, like, are you going to have, like, ferns? In in the like you know, shot, like what are you gonna do? I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't even thought about that. Maybe I think I'd want it to be like not that distracting, so then they'll just listen to what I'm saying. So I think I just want to like look great and just you know be confident. 
Well, I want to do a quick sidecar on the video conferencing because now every newspaper in the country and, you know, we knew this would be happening. All the blogs are talking about like all the things you can do on Zoom, like happy hour and, you know, <laughs> yeah. like dates and like, you know, whatever, like talk to your grandparents and all this crap. And it's been interesting because we definitely have been on, you know, as I want to do, been, been on the cutting edge of that trend the last week. Um, okay. But as of last night where I had, so I had three nights ago was like Anna and I with our friends, Hank and Elizabeth. And then two nights ago was Anna and I with our friends, Gabe and Meg. And then May, uh, uh, then Anna did one with her family. And then we did, we scheduled one with my parents and our kids and my sister yesterday. And afterwards I, and I had been at work all week cause I'm still working and I work remotely anyways. Right. And I'd been on zoom all week and it was like, Dude, fuck this! I can't do any more video conferencing. Yeah. So it's like already, already fatigue. Like I know everyone's looking for a good angle on this, and like we can do hangouts, and I will do it. And I loved all those experiences with those people, and I'm sure I'll regenerate. But today, this morning, I woke up and I was like, I can't do my phone anymore. I, I, and that's why, um, yeah. you know, we got out in the world. But every time I look at my phone, there's 75 unread text messages from one chain or the other of old friends or family or whatever. And right. it's, it's kind of crazy. It's sort of, I guess my point is yeah. make sure you don't over zoom with friends before you have to have your, you know, uh, or maybe it's good practice. I don't know. What's the angle there? You don't want to be yeah. exhausted by video conferencing yeah. when you need to really like get your <laughs> mojo up. I think like talking on the phone is good for me besides zoom but then my friend Lindsay was making a joke she's like i want to make like a really long table and put it in my backyard and you and dave can sit on one end and me and blake will sit on one end and we'll just eat dinner together well so <laughs> and she was like then afterwards we'll just burn the table <laughs> that's cool so but I, yeah, we can't do that because her husband's immunocompromised but we can only dream oh my oh so you were going to do it in real life you're saying yeah, like, we were going to go, but, but it's not going to happen because her husband's, like, vulnerable right now. But I thought, like, yeah, like, if you had a neighbor that was, like, next door, you guys could both sit on your porch and, like, yell at each other or whatever. I don't know. Well, what about, I was thinking tonight, and it's not going to work, but inviting two other couples over after our kids are in bed and having a fire in our grill, like, in the drum of our grill and then all just sitting yeah. in the yard in different seats. Everyone can bring their own bottle of wine and their own cups. We'll be outside. It'll feel normal. We're, you know, there's a fire going. Is that is that threatening? Like, are we allowed to do that? That's a good idea. Right? I wonder if, like, the heat would help. I don't know. I mean, I, like, am hesitant to, like, say go for it when, like, everyone is, like, being so cautious right now, you know? I think, I don't know. It's, like, it's hard to get. It's hard to be optimistic. <laughs> well, so not to dr drive home pessimism, but so now that you know that the that the PhD defense, the the def the original defense of the proposal will be on Zoom, are yeah. you just sort of like going with that and being okay with it because it's out of your hands? I mean, it's you know, is it just yeah. it is what it is? Yeah, I mean, I don't care as much about that because. It's more like if it were my actual dissertation defense, like this is what I need to graduate and all my friends and family are going to be there and watch me present my work. And then we're all going to go out to dinner afterwards. Like if that were on Zoom, I think I'd be like pretty crushed. But this is like I can handle this. It's like a five person meeting, you know. 
What do you think you would feel, and I guess I'll comment too, if we were in our senior year of college right now? I mean, there are... I was thinking about that so much because I TA for an undergrad psych 101 class at CU Boulder, and I'm like, in theory, working, but I'm not because all I do is proctor the exams. But um, I just feel so bad for seniors right now, you know, who are like that. That was the best part of my college experience, and maybe Anna can agree, but that senior spring when you're just like, there's so many fun bands, so many fun parties, you're like saying goodbye to all your favorite professors, and you're graduating and getting up at 7 a.m. and drinking mimosas, like, you can't get that back. And you can't get back either the satisfaction of actually finally, like, being good at college work and, like, getting, like, writing things, you know, writing papers you actually believe in and care about and feeling like it's no longer you're just satisfying a test or a, a requirement. You're actually, at least for for me and for I think probably a lot of liberal arts people, it, it, you were actually like making a point and whoever was grading your paper was like, this was good. Like you really made some strong points there. You kind of feel like that transition into adulthood happening where you actually have a voice and yeah. you have, you know, something to add. And, and I do also yeah. think that, you know, better or worse, we can all roll our eyes at it, but – we definitely are goal-oriented society, especially in this country, and actually having, you know, the medal ceremony or the, you know, championship trophy right. or the graduation is pretty key to us moving on and, and you know, and kind of hanging that on our, you know, rack of accomplishments and, you know, whatever you want to use as the analogy, but like using it as a, a safety step as we move forward, being like, well, I got that done. And it's got to be crazy. Sure, they're going to all get graduation and they're going to, you know, get their papers in and all of that. But that sense of being together at graduation and having everyone being like, good job, you did this, is completely gone. Yeah, like that feeling of, you know, saying goodbye to your French professor you've had for several years and like them saying like, or saying goodbye to like, I took a photography, ethnophotography class in the anthro department at UVA. And I remember turning in my final photo essay to him and he said, you know, great job, like, go out and go out and explore the world and see things. Like, those, like, just those lines that, like, sentences that people say to you when they're saying goodbye that someone that you look up to, you know, like, having those, like, warm memories is, like, hard to let go of. And you want to have, like, let's be honest, all of you pessimists about the importance of human interaction. You don't want to have that meeting on Zoom. You want it to be in, like, a well-lit historic college building where, like, you know, the the springtime flowers are coming through the open window. And it's, like, a moment in time that all your senses will remember for the rest of your life. So you also want to be able to – You also want to, like – In the bathroom and, like, psyching yourself up and then, like, walking into the room and, like, greeting everyone and then just, like – showing people what you've done you know it's like different (laughs) totally you also want to be able to sleep around the last three weeks and they're all going to miss out on that but that's a whole nother podcast um right so all right so you have this amazing thing you're getting into um i want to go back to that i want to tell you about the farmer's market this morning though so I have okay. not I've not been in a social situation with other people other than a picnic in the park with another family which I highly recommend. I, you know, whether or not we crossed the COVID-19 line when we had that, I'm not sure. We were trying to be safe about it. Our kids did play together, but it feels like everyone's on a different place on the spectrum with how serious they're taking this and I feel like we're doing right. a good job. But, you know, su- the last time I went to a grocery store was Sunday and 
haven't gone to any stores, into anybody's homes, didn't, hasn't, haven't, you know, haven't gone to the hardware store or anything like that. And so just based on our fresh vegetable supply, um, I was like, I, we, and I think it's going to get worse. Like, I think we are going to have mandatory, you have to stay in your homes here pretty soon because California just did it. So I'm like, all right, I need to just go out into the world and I need to get fresh veg and I need to, you know, re-up. And I had some friends and um, contacts who also wanted to get in on it. So I went to the farmer's market with $300 cash and the Portland farmer's market's still open. They've organized the whole thing with like hand-washing stations and they required that everybody either bag everything ahead of time or there are completely new systems at all the stands. So instead of you being able to pick all your vegetables out of the bulk bins and then go up to the register with them, they were at one stand, they were like doing it like a subway where they were like walking you through the line and asking you like if you needed pickles or oil and vinegar or salt and pepper. But it was like leeks and beets and carrots. And then it, the, God, the, you live in a paradise. Like, I know. You live, in a, you live in a farmer's market paradise. It is. It's the best farmer's market in the world. I should do it. I actually want to do a podcast about, I think, on a good day where there's no worldwide pandemic, that place is selling a million dollars worth of fresh food in a Saturday. I think it's yeah. kind of incredible. It's like an incredible, maybe it's less, but it's incredible market. So. So yeah. that place, the subway organized place, which I like, it was too long. Their system wasn't working. So I went to another booth where they took your order like a restaurant, wrote it all down like you were at like a clam, uh, you know, like a clam strips fish and chip joint at the window. Mm-hmm. And then they packed your order and put it out on the table for you to pick up. So I chose those guys, got a ton of stuff, got while I was there, got eggs, got bread, got flour, got some frozen chicken from the completely overpriced pastured organic meat place blah 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 got pears for the kids and went back but I gotta be honest with you like I was kind of sketched like was that the wrong thing to do all of a sudden at first in the email it was like we've we've put the stalls out you know a, a far apart and there's hand sanitizer and this and that and it's going to be bagged, and I was like, okay, they're doing, they're taking the steps. This can't be worse than a grocery store, and it wasn't because we were outside. But at the same time, like by the time I left, there were 250 people in the same place, all just passing around. Yeah. So, like, it's not going to stay open. Okay. I don't think so. Like, judging from everything else, it's like if there's people crowding in one place, like I can't imagine they'll keep it open. But was it? But am I going to get? You know, like when do we start asking ourselves like? what is the risk there? Like, what should I be, I mean, I had plenty of anxiety to go around, but what should I be anxious about walking out of that place? Getting sick myself? I don't know. But it is outdoors, so you make a good point. And like, I I don't know. I, I mean, like right before I got on this call, I was like filling out all these different online grocery carts. And then like as you get to the end after 20 minutes filling out each of them, they're like, sorry, we're all full today and the rest of the week. So I'm like, all right, I guess I got to go to the Safeway. Am I going to get sick, you know? Yeah. So what are you what was your plan with food ordering from like Amazon Fresh or like a local CSA? Like, you I mean, know? I've never done it before. And I was like, OK, grocery delivery. I Google it. And then I like Instacart and GoPuff come up. I'm like, all right. Um, I'll try Instacart, you know, and then I tried three other ones and they're all full and even like King Supers and Safeway delivery because everyone's doing it. So people are going to have to eat and even the people like me who actually do have a month's worth of food in my house are going to have to eat in a month. (laughs) So 
it's just I guess the conversation I'm interested in having, and we don't have to have it completely right now, is it we're not fully this isn't Wuhan. We don't have men with guns outside our houses. It feels like we're right. like wearing a condom half the time. It's like we're probably right. gonna get pregnant. Like this is not it, it just it, it's a little bit crazy to me. It makes me feel crazy. I don't really it, it feels like it's all a management of like our own psychosis. It's not actually action steps to save ourselves. Yeah, I know. I feel like it's like a mental health crisis right now nationwide and like I don't see that being addressed anywhere. Like how can you like there's no reassurances really from our leaders. Like maybe our governor's actually doing a pretty good job here in Colorado where I live, but um I don't know. We just people need a lot of support right now, and I can't imagine we're expected to, even like even though we're only wearing the condom half the time or whatever. Like, I can't imagine doing this for more than like a month, you know. And will we have to do this for four months? And will everyone come out the other end like shriveled and wan or whatever, you know? However you pronounce it. I'm oh. concerned about everyone's mental health, you know, mine included. All right. Well, we should. How is your? I mean, let's talk about. Let's give them some solutions. That's what we should spend the second half of this podcast doing: is giving people That's a great idea. positive solutions. I will say, um, feel free to call the landline five zero three eight nine four eighty four eighty and tell us what your date that you're looking forward to is. Mine is May first. I'm fully committed to living like an insane person between now and then. Working from 6 a.m. until 2, taking care of my kids from 2 until 6, drinking from 6 until 9, and then watching TV from 9 until 10, editing podcasts, going to sleep, and doing it all over again. Um, I can do that cooking every meal. I've actually lost weight, so I got that going for me because I'm not eating at restaurants. But anyways, um, I think May 1st. So call in 503-894-894. 8480 and talk to us about what your mental health is. Landline. You have 38 new messages, 26 saved messages. Main menu. To listen to your messages, press 1. To send a message, press 2. To change your personal options, press 4. To disconnect, press 4. First voice message. Alex, it's Brittany. Hi. Listening to the podcast while I'm on a walk in my afternoon outdoors time, well, quarantined in the other Portland. Uh, heard your call for those of us who were in the gated retirement community in Florida last week. I was also there. Uh, I would say that your depiction of it was a little incorrect. felt like a poly story right there. Uh, I'd be happy to tell you about it. That said, was happy to leave on Sunday as well. So did not enjoy my airport experience in Florida. And I can confirm that Florida doesn't give two fucks about what is happening. Anyway, wanted to set the record straight. Happy to come on the pod. Hope you guys are well. Uh, stay safe. Bye. End of message. Message erased. Next voice message. Okay.
don't know, man. Hope you guys are well. Give me a call. Enjoy the rest of your day. Jason to Rugrats. Um, fun time. Love you guys. Ciao. End of message. Message erased. Next voice message. Alex, it's Calvin here. Long-time listener. First-time caller. Friend of the hedge fund thousandaire, Jeff Corrado. Um, calling, just listen to your most recent uh, pod. Just It's making me think about, well, whether you're reconsidering the value of the non-landline lifestyle, the perpetual connectedness, um, does it have more value than maybe you had initially dismissed it, or is this actually the true reckoning of, of, of getting everything offline and and, uh, and just, just getting analog as much as possible? Um, interested to hear your thoughts if this is uh, emboldening you or, uh, or making you second-guess it. I'll, I'll hang up and listen. End of message. To erase this message, press 7. To reply to message erased. Next voice message. Hello, my name is Chris. This is not a sales call. I'm calling on behalf of Comscore, an international media research firm. We are conducting a survey about technology today, and I would like to include your household. Once you complete this study, you receive a $10 check for your time. Please call me at one seven seven five three four five three zero five zero. I mentioned your study ID. C is in Comscore, one nine zero eight seven two eight one one. End of message. Message erased. Next voice message. You are one step closer to your financial freedom and to decrease your interest rates low as 6%. Please press 1 to speak with our financial expert. End of message. Message erased. Next voice message. Credit card account. We have made several attempts to reach you. This is your final courtesy call before we are unable to lower your credit card interest rate. Press 1 to speak to the member services department or press 2 and your eligibility to lower your rate will expire. Hey, thanks for the call, Calvin, Brittany, Giles. Um, Brittany, I knew right when I said what I said that I was sure I was wrong, but that I'd get a call about it. So that worked well. Let's do it. Let's talk about being a retirement home in the in the time of Corona. Giles, pick a cocktail. Let's have a cocktail hour. Talk about having our kids around constantly in the time of Corona or whatever you want. Great landline reference there with the Nintendo. We actually did jump the landline to one of those new age Nintendo, Super Nintendos that have all the games in an HDMI cord, and my wife's been playing Donkey Kong to combat COVID-19. So there's a landline idea. Calvin, I think you obviously really open up a can of worms there. Ultimately, what you're getting at is that I'm a hypocrite, and and you're right. Um, I mean, let's follow the trail here. Basically, as I've said in past podcasts, that when this podcast succeeds is when nobody listens to it because nobody has a cell phone anymore. It's a pretty kind of like a black hole i don't really understand it but i can sort of consider it in my mind but the only thing i'll tell you as a teaser to whenever i discuss your question which i think begs for an entire episode is yesterday the best part of my day was walking two bunches of carrots a couple of t-bones and a pound of ground beef over to our neighbor's house unannounced sitting in their yard 
with a, a COVID-friendly distance and having some wine um, outside and then running into some neighbors we'd never met before on the walk home um, and chatting with them about for about 45 minutes about a swan parade that used to happen on the Deschutes River in Bend, Oregon until the 1970s where instead of like a traditional parade on land, it was a town parade on water with a princess coming on a swan boat. So... I would say that's why this is, in a way, the best landline time ever. But you're right. Uh, we're all interconnected. I think, I guess one, one answer is let's use the Internet as a tool, not as an alternative place to live our lives. And with that, back to Ashby. Let's get into her canceled wedding, planting a plague meadow. I'm just going to let this run and let the credits roll. 504. Ha <laughs> 503-894-8480 is the landline call-in. No more edits. Just some sloppy pod. Great at times. Ashby, this isn't your fault. It's me. I got a lot, a lot of tongue-twisting likes here, but let it ride. Here we go. Landline. Call up. More episodes coming soon. Landline. Well, so, like, let's start, you know, why don't you apply some of your learning right now to the podcast group? Like, I know that you're not fully, you don't have your full regalia on yet, and you're just starting to defend your idea, but just from a very basic level, um, what would you, obviously people know to go on a walk and things like that, but give us a little bit of a better echelon of sort of being in the natural world and how it can help your, your mental health. How about some tips from Ashby on, on how to get out there and get a little bit calmer based on the situation we're in? Sure. So some of the people I work with are focused on this um, concept called forest bathing, which is um, came out. It's called Shinrin Yoku, I think, I, if I pronounced it correctly, um, in Japan. But the concept is basically just like meditation, slow walking meditation in, in nature. Um, and I think the concept there is just basic mindfulness of noticing what's around you and paying attention. So I tried to apply that in my life um, because. We're all on our phones a lot, like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, and I have to be on my laptop all day for work, so it's easy to look at the news. Um, so something I've been doing when I walk my dog in the park is just to look at the trees and the shape of the trees, because um, there's a lot of research that shows, like, if you just look at nature, it's something to do. People aren't really sure why. Like, it could be the shape, something called fractals, like the way that nature um, is designed, like the shape of, like, the intricate ways that nature expresses itself is um, soothing to your brain. And there's research that shows that focusing on nature in this way can reduce your blood pressure and your cortisol levels by swabbing people before and after they walk in the park um, and improve your mood and your outlook on life. So I think it's hard to do if you're, harder to do if you're, like, listening to music and jogging, you know, but maybe easier if you're walking and just observing and appreciating what's around you. So I've tried to take that into account as best I can. I think it does give me a little bit of a respite, kind of like what you described this morning with your family. And I feel like even because this has been bad for me, usually when I'm walking the dog in the morning, I'll listen to sports radio. But now there's no sports. So it ends up now like sports <laughs> radio is just around either Tom Brady signing with the Buccaneers or COVID-19. And so then right. then it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to listen, but I'm still going to bring my phone. You end up like getting text messages that maybe are funny or, or you know, reading an article or something. But basically all of it, first of all, none of it is is like content that you need to know about right then. Like let's be honest. Like basically 
the pandemic is getting worse every second. I'll just cover all your news feed for the 35 minutes you're outside. It's just getting worse. And when you get back, like, unless, you know, something crazy happens, no one you know is going to be dead yet. So you don't need it for those 35 minutes. So I feel like that's a really good idea to not wear headphones. I've been really proud of my neighborhood. People are definitely using headphones less than we have kind of a fishbowl house that has two streets that converge at one corner. So we get to do a lot of um, looky-loo in the neighborhood. We love to just, you know, watch everyone go by and judge them. But it's been a pretty hardcore, you know, earbud population for a long time. And a lot of people are now walking, know, Anna hates that. walking with your partners and, and, and they're smiling at us. They're waving when they walk by. I think there is a really good sense of community out there. People are looking for a little bit of human contact on top of whatever sort of natural concentration they're doing. Okay, so forest bathing is number one. Um, yeah, and I think yeah, being like, because my research focuses on social outdoor activity, which is harder right now unless you're partnered or you have a family that you live with. But if you do have like a roommate or a family member or a loved one that you can be with right now, um, just going outside with them is totally okay as long as you're standing six feet from other people. And I've been on I've been on calls with doctors recently. You've talked about that, so I know they said it was okay, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, it's just important to get outside with people you love. And oftentimes there's research that shows that when you're walking side by side, it's easier to talk about things. So if you just want to talk about what's going on or plans you have to make, sometimes I find it easier to be like, let's go for a walk and then talk about it that way or just enjoy each other's company, even though you've been hanging out together like in the, with no one else. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and we saw people biking together today. That's another good idea. Like, pack, you know, the, yeah. the cyclist crowd in Portland, they're still all getting together. It's like, I don't think they can all go for beers afterwards, but they're certainly riding, and that's got to feel good. That's a little normal. And I feel like even yeah, meet, meeting another, you know, another couple for a walk in the woods um, isn't the worst thing in the world, or another person. You know, it's, it's, I feel like any of that stuff. Okay, that's good. Social activity outside. What else you got for us? Yeah, as long as you're six feet apart. Six feet. Um, Ashby, you can tell by the tone of your voice you don't want to get sued. So I like how uh, you're making sure that you put a disclaimer out. Yeah, right, exactly. If you live with them, it's okay to be together, close together. But if you don't live with them, six feet apart is what doctors are saying. Landline will take the hit if somebody dies from listening to this advice. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, that'll finally get us new um, listeners because we'll be on the f- yeah. cover of the New York Post. Um, okay, what else you got for us? I mean, maybe you don't have a list. We can just, like, do- I have some more topics on this specific you know, area. Yeah. Um, I guess the one thing that really I really enjoy is dance. And I really don't dance that much in my life because I'm usually, like, I'm working a lot like everyone else or, like, going out or something. But because I have so much time on my hands. Like, I actually did a Zoom dance class today with my friend Lindsay, and um, it was so fun. And there's everyone else is on there and, like, just having a good time. And I was, like, texting with Alex the other morning when we were planning this call, and I was, like, dancing by myself in my basement. <laughs> and just, like, I find that, like, a really great, like, ex- like way to ex- get rid of stress and to, like, kind of, like, process feelings because <laughs> there's, like, I'm feeling like a lot of sadness right now about the fact I had to postpone my wedding. I'm sure we'll talk about that, but definitely. So I think that is like my number one thing right now that I'm going to try to keep up. Well, we have been listening and then we'll go to your wedding. And then I want to come back to, I've got an article here that says scientists link outbreaks such as COVID-19 to biodiversity loss. 
and I wanted to talk about this meadow I'm going to um, grow in my front yard and just talk about the pollinators because I feel like watching bugs could be another thing that's pretty relaxing right now. There was a hatching, yeah, in, our, hatching in our front yard yesterday of like little sort of flying ants and the sun was shining and I just sat in a chair with a whiskey soda while my kid was running around the tree just watching all these bugs like you know, have a great time jumping off the grass. They have no idea that the pandemic is upon us. So, or they've been living right. in a pandemic since we evolved from chimpanzees. So, um, you know, they're having a great time. So, um, let's jump to your wedding. It's a, it's a, it's going to be a little bit of an abrupt jump, but I think, you know, you dropped the hint and people are going to want to know about this way more than anything I have to say. So, very excited that you were you found the love of your life and you guys are have been living together and you had planned your wedding um it was the only wedding this summer that we were invited to and we were at, we were you know just to make this a little bit about me um we were excited to come without our kids rent a hotel room like have some sexy time in a hotel shower you know go mountain biking when we have free time like not worry about how any of my, you know, none of my family is going to be at the wedding. No, no crazy people that are from my youth. I don't have any anxiety. And I was just going to, I was going to be 37, I guess, 37 at someone's wedding with my wife and (laughs) none of my two kids under three. And then the fucking coronavirus came. So, um, that's where I'll lead into you. Like you were planning on getting married married in July like tell us how it's gone the last month with you know how you came to the decision and I mean it's pretty juicy content so feel free to give us as much detail yeah, as you want. Yeah no I'm happy to talk about it um just a little bit of background my partner and I met a few years ago at some like geeky urban planning events and he is also from he's from DC and I'm from Virginia and we we got hit it off immediately and like I said like I had been waiting to meet someone like him for a long time and it was like all our friends and family are like pretty excited because um we just yeah we work really well together and i think um we're really happy to find each other at like age like 32 or 3 or whatever (laughs) um and um so yeah so he proposed last april and our actually let's do this cute thing where we went away for a weekend with friends to go like on a mountain mountain house weekend in like near keystone resort and he, while we were gone, he had this artist come to our house and do this huge chalk mural on a wall in our basement. That's like a chalk wall. And like, I came home and like, was putting the ski gear away, and I like saw the giant like chalk painting in our basement of like our cat and like my cosmos flowers I planted and like sunflowers and hot springs and like our two astrological signs and the stars. And it was just like this amazing, amazing thing he did. And it says a lot about who David is. He just has like so many like interesting complex wonderful guys this personality and so we um we're really happy to get engaged and that summer i went abroad to do research and we're apart for seven weeks which was hard but then he came over to france where i was doing research and we went to corsica together and just like everything is going so well and we're planning our wedding and come back and we plan the ceremony for june 13th at denver botanic gardens which is really special to me because I used to be a gardener there and we got the ceremony to be in the garden where I used to work in the annuals garden and we we're going to have everyone walk into the park outside of the garden and do like a bike parade because we love bikes and then we're going to get on buses and go to this amazing warehouse and have this really fun ceremony reception with like the DJ and like beautiful flowers and 
all my family and friends, and um, we're still going to do that. But um, a couple of weeks ago, I started getting pretty nervous, um, as everyone else was. <laughs> and at first, when I started texting people or calling people, they're like, oh, it'll be over by June, don't worry. And um, But then I'm part of um, a wedding planning support group on Facebook. I recommend that to anyone. It's called Wedding Weirdos. <laughs> wow. So it's for people that are, like, maybe not as looking for, like, a traditional wedding or maybe just don't want to be, like, um, part of the, the pressure of doing every little thing that you're, quote-unquote, supposed to do in weddings. But anyhow. Not part of the wedding industrial complex. Hey, yeah, I was just going to say, you, anyone who doesn't want to be part of the wedding industrial complex, although I'm sure it's hard to escape completely. But keep going. Sorry, bad interruption. Yeah, no, feel free to interrupt because, like, you know, I can just talk a lot um, anytime. This is great. But, this is, we're on so pins and started, needles. No, go ahead. We're good. You're doing awesome. Okay. Um, so then I started seeing, I'm like a really big planner. Like I'm like a really great, one thing I'm, I think I've like, I'm sort of compulsive, maybe in a good way. Like I focus on details and I'm like really like a vigilant person. And I'm like, I really like when I focus on a goal, I'm really good at like meeting that goal because <laughs> I have like a lot of discipline and I've learned to like appreciate that about myself. But, and that's kind of how I approach this wedding. And as I'm seeing the March and April brides start to get nervous and then postpone their weddings eventually, I'm realizing, okay, so they're all postponing their weddings. They're going to get the dates that are remaining at their venues in late summer or early fall. Um, I'm concerned that, like I told Alex like, earlier this week, like the there are more weddings in June than there are in March and April. So my concern was, okay, all of these June brides are going to, like, be changing their wedding soon, and I'm going to lose out on any, like, opportunity of postponing it for this year. Um, wait, which, wait, hold on. Let's so, just, let's just, let's pause there because that's, like, I completely empathize with you, and I don't in any way think you're yeah. wrong, but, like, that's how fucking crazy our society is that you're not even thinking about it from, like, and I, I'm not, again, like, you're not wrong, but it's like now it's a competitive, it's like, it's like the NFL free agency. It's like, well, if we if we wait for this guy to sign, then we're going to miss out on all these other free safeties that are in the market, and then so we just have to let him go so that we can sign somebody else. It's like, you you weren't even thinking about it like what would be the best date for you. You were thinking about it like there's going to be a mad dash of new reservations <laughs> yeah. that I'm going to get squeezed out on. Like, it's not it. It sucks. I'm so sorry. Like, what the fuck? Oh no. yeah, I was feeling competitive. I was feeling hyper competitive, and I was feeling like super scarcity mindset, you know, <laughs> like, I was like, I want to have my, I don't know, like, I probably sound like, I know that, like, everyone is dealing with, like, job loss and, like, the, maybe, like, loss of family and friends, so I know this, like, is very, very minor compared to, like, other things people are dealing with right now, but this is just, like, what was happening in my life, and I want to just, like, mention that. Yeah, I mean, that's not, it isn't minor, all, everything is... We have to keep our humor about this. Like, you know, if somebody's yeah. family member drops dead, then it's going to it's going to be terrible, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk about what it's like to figure out that you have to cancel your wedding. That is that's that's where all this depression is around. It's that we can't order Chinese food. It's not that we're like sad about the fact that you know, we have too many people on the planet and there's a horrible flu being spread between them. It's all about the loss of our personal lifestyle, and that's okay. I think that that's the con context with which we're, we view the world. We, we didn't – well, it's not our fault that we're selfish. We were – you know, that's how we were 
we have come to be. Now, this might end up being something where we can correct that, and I'm excited about that, but, but you know, you should be pissed about your wedding getting canceled. It's like it's the oh. world that you're in right now, so as, as everyone else. And, yeah, I mean, if people are going homeless right now, you're absolutely right. That's way worse, but anyone can, that wants to can turn on NPR to hear about that. So, um, right. so all right, so you're like, this is getting bad. I'm going to have to make a decision. Can you give us a little bit of insight into, like, was there the, you know, angel and devil on your shoulder? Did you have, like, somebody texting you, like, don't fucking worry about it? And somebody else being like, you have to cancel this right now? Like, what were, when you were sourcing yeah. opinions, like, did you have, did, did you have to battle with, you know, op- opposing points of view? Um, yeah, definitely. That's a really good question. I think I knew that I had to cancel it just because I'm part of these support groups. And I'm like, I just like, I didn't want to have a wedding that was, everyone had to stand far apart or no one could come and it was like depressing or there was a cloud over it. So I just knew that's, that's something I didn't want. Um, so I think my partner was like hesitant to change cause he was like really looking forward to like getting married and didn't want to have to give that up. And so then I talked to my father and I talked to my brother and my, his wife and they all at first, like last week were like, I talked to my dad like crying like two weeks ago, like worried about it. And, he was like, just don't make a decision now. And then, like, a week later, everyone's like, maybe it'll get better. And then, like, this, like, five days later, I call my dad, like, you know. Or no, I call my dad this Tuesday, like, three days ago. And I was like, okay, these are the issues that I'm dealing with. Number one, it's too hard for my, like, mental health to just, just like, wait it out <laughs> with no plan. Like, that's just too much burden for me. And I can't. It was just, like, too much pressure. And, like, the other thing is, like, that's one. Number two, like, I think we're going to lose out on, like, any alternative dates if we wait any longer. <laughs> so my dad's like, right, right, we should do this now in 24 hours. Let me go talk to your mom. And then talk to my mom. And, like, he calls me back five minutes later. He's like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so then um, my partner David's, like, a pretty pragmatic person. And so he wanted to do, like, a pros and cons list. And, like, if you know me, like, Alex, I'm, like, focus on intuition and feelings like i'm not like very good at like listing pros and cons but like that's what he wanted to do so i was like let's do it so we like got out a pen and paper and wrote out like three columns and one column was keep it as it is no we got rid of keep it as it is because we're like there's no way this is happening the first column was move to august 15th because that was one date like our vendors and our venue had opened the second column was move to september 5th um another option that our vendors still had and the next option was move to, like, summer 2021. And, like, we realized August 15th might be too risky and summer 2021 would maybe be too far away because, like, I'm turning 36 in November, Dave is 36, and we want to, like, maybe start a family. And I didn't want to be, like, getting pictures taken as, like, a new mom and, like, tired. And, you know, I'm, like, I'm kind of, like, vain. <laughs> so I'm, like, I want to look good in the pictures. I don't want to look tired and, like, and I got this amazing wedding dress when I was in France, and, like, I mean, I won't be able to wear that. And, like, we want to, like, get married, so let's try for September. And that's kind of, like, the thought process we had. So, and so you're doing September? We're Yeah, we're going to do September 5th of 2020, and we'll make a decision in August if it's safe or not. And if it's not safe, we'll just push it to next summer. Now, can Landline Podcast suggest an alternative fourth column just to fuck with your head, or is that is that too mean? Yeah, that'd be great. I'm open to options. Well, what if you guys just got married at the City Hall and took amazing pictures in the Botanical Garden and were married and then had a gigantic party at the 
place that you well you want all your it's because you want all your friends around to witness it. I mean, you could do the entire thing except for the witnessing. You could even do the ceremony. Yeah. And be married. I don't know. I can't get inside your own head. It's so interesting because I think that a lot of people who are married after they're married, it's one of the most fleeting things. It's not that our my wedding wasn't amazing. It wasn't that I'm so glad it went the way it was. It's not that I would have you know changed who was there other than the fact that there's probably 40% of the people that I literally have never talked to again. <laughs> um <laughs> Which is like a hilarious part of weddings. You invite all these people that are really are representative of where you've been to get to a place where you could marry someone. And then like once you're married, your entire life after that is in a different life than the one you had to get there. And so that's just a whole – that's a whole nother topic. But um, you – it is – you will like everybody else – once you get married, all of the in, the intensity around expectation just will go away. I don't need to, like, tell you that because I'm right. It's like it will just happen naturally because you're no longer looking forward to, like, the intensity of, of, of making that moment in time happen. I mean there's so few moments in time like that in someone's life. Giving birth, which right. is much more out of your control. Getting married, you know, I, I guess, you know, other decisions that you have down the line. Maybe your kids' weddings or choosing – to you know move or something like that but like that's why i think that it's so intense is because it's the one environment where you get to control every detail and you do like present yourself it's like the modern version of a debutante party for anybody who doesn't do debutante anymore so but you know if you just wanted to be married because this feels like our version of world war ii and you don't know if there's going to be like dead bodies in the streets of colorado in six weeks and you want to be married to the man you love and feel like it's time to just have that done because it how you want to feel there is an argument for just like making it happen so that you're legally married and then devising the party out of what works best versus making it something that has the wedding so intricate to it and i had a friend who i grew up with who and and we're going to podcast with him Sean the Sean the helicopter weatherman i forget what his name is we have to come back the the um the the backcountry the the helicopter ski guide but he oh, yeah. he and his wife eloped and then his family wanted to have a party so they had a huge party and a wedding and we couldn't go cuz we were having a baby but um they just got it done with they just got married so anyways there's all kinds of ways to do it i think I, we'll probably do that like i mean we'll i mean like who knows what things will be like in september but I mean, worst case scenario, we just have like a really big party in 2021 and everyone's like feeling a lot of relief and wants to like dance really hard because it's been such a shitty year, you know, like that's not such a bad worst case scenario. Yeah. And you'll be so happy that this is done just as a person, let alone someone who's trying to get married, that you'll be so relaxed about it anyways, right? Look, if you... Are, yeah, if, but I mean, like, I still want to, like, say, I still want to, like, hold out hope that, like, the winter, summer heat or something will, like, come back to normal in August and we can, like, have the wedding we wanted to have in September over Labor Day weekend. Like, I don't want to give up on that yet, even though, like, maybe that's, like, not prudent. Well, we'll come. We'll come even if it is, you know, it's like, I think a lot of people... It's an interesting thing, and this is something that will continue on further episodes of Landline and that will all continue in the part of the you know conversations we're all having with one another. At some point, 
the disadvantages of living what we're doing right now or staying in our house all the time and being fearful of getting groceries will far outweigh the negative advantages, excuse me, the disadvantages of potentially getting the virus. And, you know, I don't know where on the graph that happens, but um, I, I would bet all the money that I'm you know, currently eroding right now, living in this economy, that um, the that September is a time where uh, the American like livelihood cannot exist if we still are not right. going on planes and having parties. And I mean, a wedding is like you know, people used to smuggle each other through the back lines for weddings and go through the Underground Railroad for weddings and you know, whatever, right. like come back from war for weddings. So I, I think that it should be on the top of the list of things that do get done in this world. I think going to the nacho bar at the, you know, local Tex-Mex place maybe <laughs> should should be something that we forego before the weddings. So, yeah, I think, yeah, like Dave was saying that this morning, he's like, I just don't see how like our economy can survive. Like if we have to do this for four or five months like it just I don't think it will survive you know so like every single person that we know that has a business that isn't like a telecommuting company or like an at-home gym like system is like having a really really hard time right they lost all their business at once and they're and and the government can only pay you know whatever the government stimulus is with, oh, we're going to pump money into the federal banking system and that's going to go down to commercial lenders who it's going to go to real estate who will go down to people who own restaurants. There, You can't just make up money forever. You can do it for two months maybe. But at some point, if you're just printing money and putting into the economy, the money isn't worth anything anymore. So like where is this money coming from, you know? Literally, the federal bank, the you know, the they print it. It's like, it's it's so funny. It's like... There's this culture, and you know, my dad really signifies it for me. He he sort of had this flippant way of saying like the government's just going to print more money when I was growing up, and I always thought it was just sort of like a thrifty New Englander kind of saying that, um, you know, like just doing like you know an anti you know government um, you know anti bad government finance or fine sorry I just lost right. I, my tongue tie, but basically it's just like a classic like leftover from like the 50s like oh the government's just going to print more money and you know put us into a recession or whatever it's like literally and then as i became older i was like oh some of these sayings are actually from reality and they're not flippant <laughs> like they literally print print more money at the mint and then put it they buy the federal bank buys <laughs> buys bonds from the government they buy a piece of paper that says the government will pay them back and the Federal Reserve does, and then just gives them cash. And then that cash goes to the central, you know, the central bank puts that into the market. So giant banks like Bank of America, and I'm sure I've got some of this wrong, but it's the generally the concept. Citibank, Bank of America, all these huge banks literally get cash at very cheap rates, sometimes 0%. Because then if they feel that they have more money, they will continue to lend everybody else more money. And the entire economy is right. just based on people lending each other money. That's all that's going on. Right. So as soon as people say, you can't rent this space anymore because you don't have the money to pay me and I owe 
the the you know I owe the bank who did the the mortgage on this money and I can't pay them and that bank owns the bigger bank and the bigger bank owns owes the federal bank and the federal bank owes the government and nobody can pay anybody then we're completely fucked. So what they're hoping to do is just pump money in to get everybody through, but it doesn't take a financial genius to figure out that if nobody is working at a restaurant for longer than two months, there isn't enough money to support this in the long term. It just, it doesn't, it will right. go broke as a country because we owe people money. We right. owe China shitloads of money. China has just right, been, exactly. you know, buying our bonds and lending us money and we owe them shitloads of money and they've never been so pissed at us. At any point they could start, although that would just crash the entire thing. So anyways, I digress. It's pretty boring. No, yeah, I... No, it's not boring at all, and I mean, I don't know. It's just, like, hard to feel anything but hopeless, and I'm like, right, I well, know that's not helpful, Well, that's, I'm like, that, I don't well, feel very good. Well, how, uh, that sucks. Like, how can we make you feel good? Do you want me to read all of these different native pollinator species I have on this Maritime Northwest Region Pollinator ha Habitat handout from the Xerces Society? Like, would that make you feel yeah, better? Yeah, I think I should. I think I should go outside. And it just snowed here in Denver a couple of days ago. We have, like, snow-covered grounds, but it's melting today. And I'm, like, really looking forward to getting outside in my garden and watching the bulbs come up. Okay. That's, like, my favorite thing to do. All right. Then I'm going to get let you get off this podcast in five minutes. I want to end, end by saying... I'm trying to grow a meadow in my yard. I'm I know that you are very pro you are very anti lawnmowers and I have become incre yeah. increasingly that as well. So what should I do in order to create a fun and productive and biodiverse habitat in a place where there's a bunch of grass? I, I and my first answer is I threw a bunch of flirt a lawn down about two and a half weeks ago with the hope that mm -hmm. all, all that clover and you know basically blooming grass seed would help things so maybe just tell giving us some give give me some tips and we can check in on the sure. flirt a lawn in you know five minute increments on the landline every week or something like that so you can check in on me what, what should sure. i be doing yeah so i think that you bring up a really good point because um bring there's a really great book called bringing nature home by doug Callamy. he's from university of delaware where i did my master's and he is showing that like lawn is like one of the biggest crops in the entire u.s and it doesn't provide any food or support any wildlife really and it just takes a lot of water and resources and chemicals so lawns are really bad for the environment and what's so you are really on a great path because the more that we can invite um, pollinator-friendly um, plants into our homes, we can really change our cities and change um, maybe, like, more than our cities. So I don't know about, like, keeping the grass there because what I did in my lawn when I moved into my house is I just removed the sod. Like, you dug, like I had someone else do it because it's too much work for me because, I don't know, I'm like, I don't want to, like, removing sod is kind of hard. So I just want to remove it and then left it for me with compost added, and then it just got... I went to the um, I went to the nursery in late like in late fall when all the perennials were like on sale, and I got just like native pollinator friendly perennials and planted them. All right. So, but that's one approach. I think maybe if you remove the grass and put like a native grass seed in, you could do that. It's just hard because like there's so many weeds, you know. And are weeds bad? Like if I was just to say like I'm gonna let nature do what nature. 
if I if I was to rip it all out, and I see what you're saying, but between now and then, I can't rip it out because I don't want to talk. I you know I don't want to be out in the world at the garden store or at the dump. Like I kind of I yeah. feel like I have to manage my own expectations of how much human or, human interaction I'm having. So I feel like just letting nature do with whatever's there now is at least step one, right? Letting it grow lawn and excuse me, grow long and seed and then and then propagate. Is that, I mean... Is... That could be cool. I think, I've never tried that. Like, I think the seed a lot of people have in their, like, the grass people have in their yards is, like, a lot of times it's this thing called Kentucky bluegrass, which, like, needs a lot of water and is, like, widely used in lawns. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, like, it's harder because, like, that plant is not, like, designed to, like, grow long. But, like, you should just do it as an experiment, you know, and, like throw down the flower seeds too and like see if you can get some flowers to grow like um in the meantime all right just I'll put d- a bunch of bulbs in like next fall just- if we're still like have a company where you can buy bulbs from in this wasteland planet no come on this is so so <laughs> okay. no i mean i just feel now i feel guilty that i made you podcast because it's making you even more depressed and i realize not talking no about it's this. not i mean like it's okay to be real i guess well, no, let's be real about this. This is a watershed moment for all of us to realize that we can't keep living the way we're doing with just these extractive techniques to our planet. This is all part of the same system. Everyone who's been screaming about climate change, everyone who's been screaming about the healthcare system, everyone who's been screaming about the financial system, what we're feeling now is is representative of all those problems in one. And I, I won't like read the whole thing, but... This is a, um, a an article from a paper in India. The rise in zoonotic diseases like the coronavirus disease is linked to the loss of biodiversity and forests, public health experts and scientists have said. Zoonotic diseases are those that spread from animals to humans. There is consensus that the that the diseases are driven by biodiversity loss. I already said that, blah, blah, blah. The coronavirus, this is a, this is a press briefing quote. The coronavirus is now telling the world that we have been saying for thousands of years that if we do not help protect biodiversity and nature, we will face this and worse future threats. So what's what's interesting, Ashby, and this is I know this could sound depressing, but I actually think it's to me it's um, you know imp- not empowering, but it, it makes me want to engage and and act. Is I think we all thought that we were gonna like die of oil poisoning, that like the carbon dioxide was gonna come together in globs and like suffocate us all. The reality is like this is climate change right now. Like all of the stuff, it's it's us creating. It might not be that there's more CO2 in the air, but it's that we're domesticating millions of animals and putting them in these horrible conditions. We're trading everywhere, like everything, you know, we're all traveling all these places. We're not considerate of the overpopulation or the lack of health care or the lack of soap and water in the most needy places in the world. And and so this is all part of the same thing. And now everyone has had to just stop what they're doing. They're not allowed to get on, you know, go to a first class lounge and fly. At least they weren't, you know, they weren't maybe as of two weeks from now. They're not allowed to just like travel willy nilly and consume all the, you know, latest and greatest kombucha every day at the store and all these things. And it's like it is part of an an integrated system. And I see it. I don't always I'm not always great at describing it, but like we have the world paying attention now. And, you know, there are a lot of people who believe the reason the coronavirus is here is not because of the bat wing soup thing. It's because of the pig domestication in China, 
where they've just ramped up meat production for all these people. And it's not the Chinese people's fault. They are just happen to be sort of becoming capitalists now in their own way and demanding meat. But the way that they're producing meat is so inhumane and it's so um, unnatural that things like diseases are passing to us, right? It's all about faster, better, bigger, more greed, more money, more. And it doesn't work. Look what it got us. We can't survive six fucking weeks of not going to work 60 hours a week. It's fucking insane. Right. So who even wants to go back to that? I, I would say I don't. I mean, I would hope that there's a fundamental shift from people like me and you to start considering how our action steps towards the accumulation of wealth are having an impact. And I realize that's a really long way of trying to say there's there's optimistic opportunity here, but I truly believe that because like I the, think you're right, yeah. the difference is that we'll just all die. We're not going to die of suffocation of CO2. We're going to die because we create diseases and pass them around and we don't even have hospitals in rural communities to help the people. So it's right. it, it's kind of like we don't need to complain to people about how the world is fucked anymore. Everybody is seeing it now. And right. I kind of feel like if people can't buck up and figure out a way to continue to survive – and then ultimately sustain and thrive using a more holistic method of living. I'm not sure it's going to be sad, like weddings are going to be canceled, and I'm not just trying to joke with you. Like you know, all the all the stuff that we thought was our normal world is going to be canceled, but it's going to self-select us out in the first place. And it's like it's kind of out of your and I control, as it always has been. Yeah, I think that's important. Like we can't just place all the onus on individuals to like grow at home when we're all like working and living in this system that is keeping everyone so oppressed it's like there are big power players that have created the system that we have to remind ourselves that it's not like individual actions that are going to like i'm sure like individual actions important but also like i think the environmental movement often like overlooks the fact that like there's larger powers at play and so you know yeah. if those if those people are finally waking up to the fact that this isn't going to be a problem later it's a problem now that will force their hand to change and, right, right, um, exactly. you know, I know we talked about Bernie Sanders months ago and I wasn't necessarily in favor of him becoming the nominee, but I do think that it's just, and I said this the last podcast, it is, it is crazy how true what he was saying on the campaign trail is right now. I still don't want him to be president, but he said yeah. 65% or 60% of Americans can't have $400 in savings and can't survive a month without a paycheck, which is what everyone in the market is freaking out about right now. And right. the healthcare system in this country is completely broken and would not fix something that was a widespread problem. And that's exactly what everyone is freaking out about when it comes to like, you know, um, whatever the, the lung machines and masks and all that crap. So this isn't working. It's like, it's, it's, it's working for really high highs and really low lows. And I mean, at this point, would it be a surprise if a volcano exploded on top of this? Like, I was looking at Mount Hood today. Like, we finally now are wrapping our heads around, like, we really are not very protected. And maybe we just need to live, like, the healthiest and most satisfying life we can while we're here. And I really do think that that involves going out in nature. And that's really the fundamental reason right. I wanted to talk to you. Because I think you believe that and you're working so hard to, you know, propagate that vision for the world. Yeah, and I think you bring up a really good point there because, you know, the like getting in nature as a child, you as a dad can like 
do this, you know, I know you guys do this, like, as part of your practice, like, starting to kids young on nature is so important because then as they grow up, they'll be stewards and they'll want to vote for nature, you know, so it's like, and if you look at the statistics in the national parks in the U.S., they are way wider than the population at large. So it's like, we need to get, like, have a more inclusive um, idea of, like, what getting in nature means, you know, it's not like a white guy dressed in REI or get let's be real, dressed in like Patagonia gear, like climbing a 14er. It's like, it could be anyone of any shape and size, any color, like, and it doesn't have to be super athletic, just like kind of trying to keep a more inclusive, like vision of what it means to like go enjoy nature, you know? And I think like the more we can do that, the more people can see like, oh, this could be for me. It's not like something that's not for me. And like, we have a broader coalition then who's going to want to like fight for it. And there's never been a better time to show people that whatever is on their iPhone or their computer is actually like makes them feel horrible. So the alternative to going out to nature, you know, it used to be like I'm going to read about celebrities and check my stock report and find out what the new restaurant, you know, down the street is doing with their like sea urchin pate and now it's like guess what all that shit is closed and the only news on the internet is you're all gonna fucking die and so i'll tell you what nature is a hell of a lot better than doing that so i think let's put a pin in it there i want you to go out in nature i'm about to go into nature myself and um start to maybe look into what sort of situation can improve my meadow. I do have a, a, a lawn weasel. That's the last thing I'll tell you. I bought a lawn weasel. Do you know what those are? You know, I don't know what that is, but it sounds fun. It's just a handheld, like, non-motorized, um, like, oh, sort of c- circular hoe that you just run over and it has all these spikes okay, on yeah, it. Okay, yeah, I'll like, one of those but if I had a lawn, but I don't have one, so. Yeah, it's aeration. So I'll just keep lawn we- weaseling over here. You keep getting out <laughs> into the Denver atmosphere. Please leave messages on the landline, 503-894-8480. I hope this was somewhat, at least, maybe it wasn't uplifting, but maybe it was just like a sideways move. Hopefully you're not any more depressed anymore before we talk. No, it's great. I love talking to you. It's, like, really energizing. So thanks for having me. Thanks for being on. We'll always have you back. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye. Put my head down at dawn. I don't know right from wrong. We're back again.
Festival. 